You're listening to Network, the Women in Mining South Africa podcast. In this episode, I'm in conversation with Estelle Levin-Nelly. My name is Estelle Levin-Nelly, and I'm the CEO and founder of Levin Sources. We're um, a for-profit social venture that builds sustainable, viable, and equitable mineral sectors and supply chains. We're headquartered in England, in the UK, but we work with partners and staff and associates all around the world. Okay, so can you give me a picture around what that actually looks like? What do you do on a daily basis? Um, what do you influence on a daily basis? So we concern ourselves with higher risk situations and the protection of vulnerable groups. Um, we're particularly interested um, and passionate about helping safeguard the rights of artisanal small-scale miners um, as citizens, but also um, actually helping them learn how to respect the rights of other rights holders as small enterprises. I would imagine that that results in a few conflicts when we're talking about respect the rights of other rights holders. Yeah, um, it can. Artisanal miners um, are often marginalized and operating really challenging contexts and it's very difficult for them to claim their human rights um, or even engage fully as citizens because they tend to either intentionally or sometimes be confined to the informal space. Um, I found one of the most effective programs that I've had the privilege of working in was actually in Mongolia, where the Swiss government had a bilateral cooperation agreement with the government of Mongolia, and they very intentionally took a human rights-based approach to helping artisanal and small-scale miners learn about what their rights were and what that meant they could demand from the government as rights holders, but also understand what others should be expecting of them in terms of ESG issues. So in managing environmental risk, ensuring that children's rights were protected, um, and so on and so forth. So it's, um, I'd just like to say that I think putting human rights at the heart of how you mm. deal with artisan small-scale miners is particularly important because of their vulnerabilities. So we're at a mining conference where there are a lot of large mining companies mm. and mid-tiers represented and I haven't heard the word artisanal and small-scale mining come up here at all other than in the panel we had earlier. And where I'm from, often artisanal and small-scale mining is synonymous with illegal mining. Yeah. And what you talked about earlier is how kind of the security protocols mm -hmm. start to impact on the safety of yeah. different stakeholders. Well, first, can I just make it really clear that not all artisanal mining is illegal? Absolutely. I, I know that's not what you meant, Bryony, but I, I think there is... Um, people use that narrative uh, to talk about legal mining and illegal mining and put all ASM in that bracket. There are in fact an awful lot of artisanal miners who are in the process of formalizing their activities to be able to become fully legal. There are also artisanal miners who operate in jurisdictions where it is just not feasible to be fully legal. Um, and in some countries, they aren't provided for in the law. Mm. As an artisanal colored gemstone miner in Zimbabwe, for example, you're not for provided for by the law. So technically you're always extra legal, but you're not necessarily illegal because mm. the law isn't prohibiting it. So I think those nuances are important because it affects the terms upon which companies feel they can and cannot engage with the artisanal miners. The language the OECD uses is they look at the notion of legitimacy. Are the artisanal miners making good faith efforts to comply with the law where it exists in as far as is feasible given their capacity and the, realist, you know, the realism of the law mm. commercially um, for them? 
Um, and once you can establish that you are dealing with legitimate ASM um, and th or those that are have goodwill and intention to become and seek to try to be legitimate, then it gives you common ground for engagement. Um, but it's very difficult for mining large-scale mines um, and downstream companies to engage with illegal or criminal ASM because by their very nature they shouldn't be doing what they're doing when yeah. they're doing it. Yeah. But in terms of your question on safety and what, what that means, often you find the relationship between large-scale miners and artisanal miners is related to the fact that you have incursions of artisanal miners onto the large-scale mining concession. Um, or that's how the large-scale mining company would see Perceive it. it. <laughs> the artisanal miners would see it as a, we are reclaiming what was yes. our birthright because it's our mineral endowment and you're a you know, foreign finance or foreign-owned company. So it is about optics and perception. And in some of the work we've done to help large-scale mining companies better manage their ASM issues, we're brought in after their security-led approach has failed mm. and led to human rights violations. And often their answer is say, well, let's build a wall, let's contain this, um, let's just evict people, or let's put in place security to really manage the perimeter. And sometimes they have to work with government security or subcontractors. And unfortunately, voluntary principles are not always applied in how that's done. And I have seen it such that the, the actions that companies have taken to better protect their risk vis-a-vis -vis ASM increases the risks for the artisanal miners. Bringing it to women, for example, where um, artisanal miners, and they may also be women artisanal miners, seek to access the concession and end up paying off the security guards to get onto the concession. But women in particular may be additionally or separately subjected to sexual extortion. Um, whether or not they're minors, it may just be that they are simply trying to get on site to sell food mm. or bring water or sell pharmaceuticals um, to the to those artisanal miners. Um, and by not having their security teams properly trained in managing human rights, um, and also by treating artisanal miners as a really big problem mm. um, rather than a stakeholder that requires careful management because of vulnerabilities, you can increase the vulnerability yeah. of those individuals to human rights violations. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I would imagine for some mining companies, artisanal and illegal and etc., whatever the terminology is, is a very big problem. Yes, definitely. I've seen in Brazil where artisanal miners were being used as part of the process for larger mines to find where they wanted to mine. Mm -hmm. So the continuum is huge yeah. and I would imagine that the the continuum between a security-led approach and a human rights approach is also quite large. Yes, it is. But we see different models being experimented with. We've seen a lot of progress in the gold sector. I think the World Gold Council's new report is excellent in how it shares a number of case studies um, looking at the different angles that matter in managing LSM-ASM relationships. We're doing a project just now with USAID funding called Zahabu Safi in DRC. Our partner, Global Communities, is the lead. And we have helped um, build a partnership between an ASM cooperative um, and a new concession holder who is seeking to industrialize the mine. And what they are doing is they are using the artisans Moscow miners to help them with the initial development of mm. the mine. But in the process of doing so, 
organizing those miners better, um, helping teach them responsible mining practices, building a trustful relationship mm. so that when the time comes for them to really truly industrialize because they get to certain depths mm. above which in Congolese law you cannot mine artisanally and be legal, um, the artisanal miners are already in a state where they can move on to a zone d'exploitation artisanale, so an artisanal mining zone, sorry. <laughs> What's beautiful about this project is that mining company is acting as an anchor institution and a partner and working with us as the enabling development partner, helping the government get in place what it needs to put that zone d'exploitation artisanal in place for the miners. Also providing those miners with geological information, um, looking at other ways they can support with community development and introducing responsible mining methods, including around health and safety. So that's a beautiful example of where it takes more than two it is often very hard if it's just the mining company and just the artisanal mining company. The government needs to have a role. The government needs to step up and participate. Um, and when you have a development partner, whether it's an NGO or um, a donor-funded program like ours, um, you, we can help de-risk that. Mm. And if I can add, the other thing that's interesting is um, we have developed what's called a Responsible Gold Innovation Fund in order to match donor funding with private sector funding. So get blended finance in really small amounts, but to help make the risk lower for people like the mining company mm -hmm. or for any downstream refiner that wishes to engage so that there's less commercial risk for them in, in getting involved and engaging in what is a, a high-risk setting. And those financial solutions, I think, are absolutely key to helping unlock artisanal miners from the exploitative relationships that they have with the financiers and traders that are really just take advantage of the fact that they're, in many cases, as the laborers, are very desperate, though the landowning artisanal miners may have more power. One final question. Mm. What are the conversations that we should be having as women in mining that would support the issues that we've been talking about? That's a really important question because I think people, when they go, it's artisanal and small-scale mining, it may look like some big homogenous group of mm -hmm. angry miners with machetes, all men. But in fact, I think it's something like um, about 40 to 50% of artisanal small-scale miners in Africa are women. Mm -hmm. And artisanal miners are by far their largest mining workforce in the mining world, yes, by multiples wow. compared to the large-scale mining workforces globally. There's over 40 million artisanal and small-scale miners around the world, yeah, and 20 million of those are in the gold sector. So, you know, we're talking about millions of women who are involved in this as miners, but also millions of women who service this as miners. So when we, the questions we should be asking as women interested in women mm. is, how are women involved? Are they in roles where they have equal opportunity and often they don't. Mm. Do they hold equal power over decision-making in those production units? Mm. Often they don't. Um, and are they at risk of what types of exploitation because of their gender? Mm. And being particular to concerns around physical security, gender-based violence, and related to that children's rights and especially rights of the girl. Yeah. Um, because I have, I have found some very upsetting examples sure. of where children have been, and girl children have been subject to unnecessary and inconceivable violence because of their vulnerability and, and the fact that they're in, in mining situations where they cannot be properly looked after by their parents. So we need to unpack its diversity and we need to think about women and children mm. and respectfully, because there are also women who are very powerful in this yeah. sector, particularly in um, gem dealing, for example, um, in West Africa, in, in the financing and pre-financing of diamond or gold mining, 
Um, so there's not only powerful men, we can't standardize. Um, and so understanding that landscape and the difference in opportunities, you can build ideas of where the allies might be, mm -hmm. where the vulnerabilities are, and the best way of helping. And many of the most successful ASM intervention projects have been working with women and women minors, yeah. actually. Wow, I feel like we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> and I think the general thing that I'm taking out of this is we need to be a lot more granular in what we look that's at. Right, that's right. Um, and, and again, coming back to this morning, asking the right questions from the very beginning. With human rights at the heart of it. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you Thanks, so much Marnie. for joining me on this. You're so welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot.